0: Whether you're trying to break into the fashion world, make yourself more marketable, launch your own label, or become a successful freelancer, we'll help you get ahead in the cutthroat fashion industry. This is episode 73 of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast, and today I'm chatting with Peter Lang, an accountant for creative professionals like you working in the fashion industry. Whether you're a freelancer, or you're running a fashion brand, or you want to start a fashion brand, you have your own business. And you know what comes with having your own business? Money, taxes, accounting, audits, the government, all those words and things we hate talking about. But here's the thing, as a business owner, those are things you have to pay attention to. If you don't, you can get hit with fines, late fees. You can be stuck in a situation where your tax bill brings tears. Yes, I have been in this situation. April 14th has come and I have cried. I finally got myself on track and I do work with the CPA and a financial advisor to help me. And in this interview with Peter, he gives us so much great advice on things that you can write off that you're probably not writing off, that you can save money on taxes from, certain expenses you have in your business. Uh, how to make sure you budget appropriately and save enough for taxes and retirement. Uh, He also gives his advice on things to think about when you're getting funding for your business, whether that's from a small business loan, going through investors, or doing crowdfunding on Kickstarter. And he also talks about different ways you can set up your business strategically to save more money on taxes without doing any shady stuff. Really awesome advice here, you guys, and I really suggest even if you're not into accounting and budgeting and finances and taxes and don't want to talk about all this nerdy stuff like me and Peter, it's stuff you have to pay attention to. So take it in small bits and doses. He does a great job at delivering it in understandable language and bite-sized pieces that anyone can wrap their head around. I know you guys are going to love it as always if you love this podcast and if you love what i'm doing with successful fashion designer i would love and be so grateful if you would share this interview or the podcast in general with a friend surely you know someone who wants to work in the fashion industry who already does work in the fashion industry who could benefit from some of this content i would be so grateful if you would take 30 seconds right now to text them and let them know about the show i know they'd appreciate it too all right, let's jump into the interview with Peter. To access the show notes for today's episode, visit sfdnetwork.com/73. Hi Peter, welcome to the Successful Fashion Designer podcast. Can you start out by introducing yourself and letting everybody know who you are and what you do in the fashion space?
1: Sure. Hi. Thanks for having me. My name is Peter Lang. I am the designer CPA. So I am a CPA. I've been a CPA for, um, I've been in the industry for about 15 years. um, And I niche to the, uh, to folks in the design industry. So I uh, provide tax accounting, uh, CFO, um, and just overall financial advice to uh, business owners in the design industry.
0: Awesome. And tell me a little bit, like, why did you see this as a need? Why can't someone in the design industry just work with any regular old accountant?
1: Um, they can. But um, so basically what happened was I, uh, for, for most of my career, I was just taking clients, um, you know, as they, as they would, they would come. It, it didn't really matter. And then um Coincidentally, I started working with quite a bit of um, interior designers at, in the beginning, um, and then other other design people. And what I found was that um, clients in the design industry were just more exciting. And I was looking for a niche, and and I wanted to um, kind of specialize in an industry. So I, I went through my list of clients to try to figure out you know who was the most exciting, and um, I just found that. My design clients just—I um, could provide more value to them all year round. So that was that was more exciting. We were kind of just—I um, could serve more as a trusted advisor and and just help them grow their business.
0: Awesome. So to kind of get started, um, we have kind of two different audiences listening who i think you might have some great advice for one is the designer who wants to start their own fashion brand or is in the process or has already has their own fashion brand so they own a company that or want to own a company that ultimately will sell tangible goods Uh, the other person listening is going to lean more into like a freelance designer space so they're offering services to clients um as a service-based business. So I'd love to kind of talk about both of those markets and and advice and tips you have for those two very different categories. Which one would you prefer to start with?
1: Uh, sure, let's start with the service-based business, the freelance okay. one.
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about um, you know, what what's your overall advice for someone starting out as a service-based business? I mean, I know I get a lot of questions from freelance designers. Do I need to have a business set up? Can I just do this under my name? Do I need an LLC? Do I need a corporation? What do I do mm-hmm. about taxes? There's so many questions. Yep. So sure. like where do we even start if if we're if if I'm a designer out there and I'm starting to maybe have conversations with clients and collecting money for services offered? What should I even be thinking about?
1: Sure. So if you're starting out by yourself um, and you haven't thought about it at all, um, you are you are considered a sole proprietor. So basically, that means um, you're still all you're going to have a form on the tax return that kind of summarizes your income and your expenses as the business, um, and and you uh, you would you would have that, um, but you still need to. You still need to worry about your income and your expenses and and some sort of accounting software. Um, and if you're if you have more than one person, then you would automatically be a, a partnership. Um, so if we're if we're just going to focus on um, this the sole proprietor, a lot of times. Um, 95% of the time people start that way. And then um, we work with our clients kind of – we have like a base that um, we know that the um, as the business grows, you know, once it hits a certain profit point, which means like basically how much money you're making after all your expenses, then it's time to start talking about incorporating and maybe becoming a corporation.
0: Okay. But to begin with, I don't need to – Go through any big fancy registration or jump through any hoops. I can just start doing work as an individual person and run this all through my personal taxes as a sole proprietor. Or is there something I need to set up?
1: Well, I would. I mean, I would at least go and get. If you even if you're, um, you've got a business name, um, I would go get a federal EIN on the IRS website and open up your own uh, bank account at. at um, you know, your local bank that you prefer to bank with. Um, That way, uh, if you are working, let's say, for a bigger firm or you have clients uh, that have a business and they want, they're going to want to send you a 10, or they're going to have to send you a 1099 if they pay you more than $600. So instead of giving out your social security number, you Mm -hmm. can get a federal EIN and, um, and use that number. And that just gives you a level of um, uh, identity protection that, that you know, you can go on the IRS website and get a federal EIN free. You can open up a lot of times if you uh, go to a local credit union or even um, a, a, a regional uh, bank and you open up a business checking account, it can be free. So, um that, those are two, if you're just starting out, those are two uh, bits of advice that are low cost and, and high reward. Um, you're you're um, already uh, not, you know, facing the risk. Um, you're, you're taking away the risk that, that, that you would if you were just, you know, collecting checks in your name and, and uh, having to use your social security number
0: okay, um great, great advice. um I have another question kind of in relation to that, but something that can come up in the in the design world, and I've experienced this as a contract slash freelance designer is um you know what if i've I've seen this in contracts that my clients have written what if for some reason the company the brand that I'm designing for gets sued over a design and I know there's all sorts of weird fuzziness in terms of how much you can actually copyright and protect fashion but let's just say the company gets sued over a design that I as the freelance designer created do I need to start thinking about like how to protect myself in case of something like that
1: yeah, I mean, that would be more of uh, those issues would be more you would want to talk to a a lawyer too, um, but it probably wouldn't help, uh, it probably would help to um, kind of go over that with an attorney and a CPA to see if being an LLC is, because you can be a single member LLC and still be treated as uh, uh, how we were talking before for, as far as taxes, Um just kind of general insurance, LLC questions, I that investing in the time to just get some basic um, advice from an attorney mm-hmm. and just letting them know what kind of unique situation that you're, or the specific situation you're in, um, it's, it's money well worth spent in the beginning so that you're doing things right and, um, and you're not having to backtrack after something happens.
0: Okay. And um, some of this advice, I I imagine we're talking kind of specifically for the U.S., just based on all the different governmental rules and regulations. So would you say your advice is kind of streamlined for U.S. based on taxes and finances, how we're set up here?
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Okay. Okay, because we do have quite a big international crowd out there listening. Um, Okay, so... We can set ourselves up as an EIN and get some level of protection, so we're not, you know, throwing our social security number out there to every company that we do business with, and, and set up a business bank account to keep everything separate. Um, from here, another question that I hear a lot from freelancers is sort of budgeting and keeping track of, you know, okay, I might get paid you know, 50% up front and 50% at the end, but it's a three-month project and I don't get anything in that middle month. And do you have any tips or advice on how freelancers can start to plan their finances when they're not going to be getting, you know, that regular two-week paycheck like you get in a typical job?
1: Sure. So if you're getting 50% or above up front, um, you want to try to, and that's where if you're working alone, it can be um, it can be more complicated, but if you if you are f- working with an accountant, uh, you want to make sure you're using someone who understands the industry. So you want to make sure they they understand what actual profit you're going to have. And then we work with our clients in that situation, whether it's fifty percent or a hundred percent, to allocate the money based on what we think is going to happen during the project. And if that means, like some of my clients have more than one bank account where we um, we worry about you know operating costs and sales tax um, say even savings and um, income tax that kind of stuff so um, some people like to just kind of do we work with them to do budgeting on a project and make sure that we you know aren't spending all the money before um, before we run out we have to you know buy something else so if you're working with a bank that allows it, um, most will, like um, we recommend having like two or three different bank accounts where um, maybe upfront all the money goes in one account and then we estimate what the actual uh, profit would be. And, and um, we you know, spend only on that profit account and, and hold that for, hold the rest for other operating expenses and taxes and that kind of stuff
0: okay um, and I know this may be hard to say depending on you know how much money you make or what tax bracket uh, uh, in any given person falls into but do you have a general recommendation that you can advise people put aside for taxes because I'm not gonna lie you know when I got, first got started I, I got slapped in the face by some tax bills that made me cry literally yep. cry
1: <laughs> so um, what's your
0: advice on that
1: yeah just overall obviously everyone's different but I would say somewhere I know this sounds high but somewhere between 30 and 40 forty percent mm-hmm. um, that way it, let's say you know if it's if it's too much at the end of the year then you've got more profit but at least you didn't spend it and now you're yeah like you said you're you're stuck with the tax bill um, but um, on on profit I would say you know between thirty and forty percent is a good you know um, broad overview of a, of a percent
0: okay just to be safe yep. Okay. And then you mentioned um, retirement. So, you know, I think depending on where you are in life, some people haven't even started thinking about this, but... I, I don't know. I was taught that it's never too early or too soon to start thinking about that. Um, so do you do you advise people to set a certain uh, amount aside or invest in um, – put money into an IRA or a 401K? Or what are we really looking at here as a sole proprietor or a small LLC?
1: Sure. I love the Roth IRA. Um those, they have a, a, and you know, it's based on income, but right now the max you can um, uh, put in if you're under 50 is $5,500, um, and if you're over 50, it's 6500 a year. It's based on different income thresholds, so everybody is different, but um, um, not to get too complicated, but basically um, if, you, if you put money in a Roth IRA, you don't get a tax deduction in the year that... Um, that you put it in. So if you're if you're listening and you're saying, well, I don't even get a tax deduction that year. <laughs> no, you don't. But you don't have to take it out when you um, when you retire, like like a different IRA, All of the earnings that you make between now and and um, when you do take it out is completely tax-free so um, for example if you're 35 and you just start out even if you just start out and you put 500 dollars in an account in a roth ira account this year and it grows for 30 years and it's ten thousand dollars in 30 years you can take the ten thousand out and you do not have to pay taxes on any of that money yep and I'm that, really
0: glad to hear this. My dad set me up a Roth IRA a long time ago, and I do contribute to it every year, so it sounds like I'm on the right track.
1: Yeah, uh, it's it's one of the last remaining um, tax-free vehicles that that you can take advantage of so i highly recommend you know i don't know how long how long it's going to be out there i always say like someday they might (laughs) that might be it they might say you know what this is crazy we're not going to give any other options we're going to get rid of it so until then hopefully that never happens but until then um i highly recommend taking advantage either uh, a little bit or um just try to do it and you also just so um Everyone knows, so let's it's 2018 now. Um, you have until April 15 2019 to, to maximize a 2018 contribution. So even if you're listening to this and it's 2019 right now, and uh, if it's before April 15th, you still can contribute and it'll count for the, for the 2018 year.
0: Awesome, I love that. So you pay the taxes up front on that five hundred dollar contribution, but as that money grows, you reap much bigger benefits of not having to pay taxes on whatever that money grows into so as,
1: yep yeah. it's, as long as you wait till after you're fifty nine and a half and you take it out, you don't have to pay taxes on it,
0: okay, awesome. So speaking of taxes, oh joy, um, can, you, <laughs> can you talk a little bit about, you know, what are some write-offs that people may be thinking uh, that, that, that maybe, I think there's two categories. There's probably things people think they can write off that they actually can't and vice versa. So as a service provider, um, a freelancer, contract designer, what, should I be writing off? And what should I be thinking? Oh, you know what, I, I didn't realize I couldn't write that off. But but maybe I, a lot of people assume that they can.
1: Sure. So um, uh, the simple one that um, that a lot of people hear for if you work from your home, you need to have a dedicated area that is considered an office. So what that means is, um, re- according to the IRS, if if you have a room and um, someone uses it for a bedroom, you have a desk, that technically isn't it. But if you have a room that you exclusively, there's only a desk and you use it for your office, um, you can take the square footage of that um, versus the total square footage and you can take your utilities, your real estate tax, if you have a mortgage or rent, um, even repairs and maintenance to the home, landscaping to the home, um, painting that area. So there's a lot of different things if you're a home office that you can do. Um, Another one that a lot of people, um, I'm surprised sometimes when people say, I'm not sure, if you're driving anywhere to a a client-related event or even... um, even if you need to drive to staples to pick up office supplies or you're going to the bank to cash checks or do whatever um as long as you keep a, a mileage log you can there's a irs uh, standard rate that's usually easier that everyone uses it changes every year um but you can deduct your mileage on that so there there there's some people that that never do that now um the IRS is happy as long as you have a mileage log. So what does that mean? That can mean like you have a, a Excel spreadsheet, a whole big thing. You can use apps on your phone. And then I still have clients that have, have like dusty old little um, little books that they use that, you know, they hand scribble. And I've I've heard of uh, instances where people get audited and they hand the I agent a, a dirty old book and as long as you have something they're happy and they do it it's the people that say i don't have anything that um then they completely disallow it so um those are two examples that uh that i have that are pretty easy that um as long as you're keeping track of it that you can deduct from how much money you're making
0: so as the designer in, in the fashion industry, we're often going out and we're shopping for trend inspiration. So that may mean driving to the mall or driving to some type of, um, physical location where we're going to look for inspiration. It could be driving to the art museum. Um, are those also things that we could, we could deduct those, those travel trips?
1: I would say yes. Yep. Because you, uh, it's part of your business.
0: Awesome. Um, and what are some things that people think they can write off that they actually can't?
1: Oh, uh, haircuts. Uh, <laughs> um, some people, uh, they they say, well, I, I'm going to deduct my gym membership because I need to look good. Um, makeup, um, cosmetic surgery sometimes, um, um there's interesting ones that I hear, um, but a lot of that uh, dry cleaning for um, for all sorts of stuff. Um, so those are ones that um, those are some good examples of ones that I get that uh, that um, the IRS usually doesn't. I mean, if they knew that it was that, they usually don't allow those.
0: Yeah, and what about like? meals and eating out and like having having business meetings over lunch or coffee or drinks.
1: Sure, so these rules are are changing, but um if you are meeting with a client and you keep the receipt, um um you, the, there's a 50%. You can you're allowed to take 50% of that. Um if you are having an office event with your staff uh, and clients and uh, let's say you were doing like a lunch in the office and giving a presentation and all your clients and your um, and your employees are going to be there or you're having a holiday party um, to celebrate something um, with your staff, that would be considered uh, an event and that's 100% deductible.
0: Okay, gotcha. Um, good to know that, that as we sit down and have a client meeting and spend $20 on lunch, we get a write off $10 of that. So we yeah. get a little bit back.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, awesome. So any other advice or tips for the freelancer or sort of service provider within the fashion space, as far as it comes to finances, accounting, any, any of the, that stuff?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would just say overall it it's never too early to start thinking about it and if you um if you dread it which uh most most people do um it's it is a good investment to have uh some sort of accountant or bookkeeper at least on your side making sure that they're taking advantage of of you know all the all the write-offs and and allocating it because It's the people that wait and then uh, potentially get audited or they need backup. And and then going back and um, accumulating all that is is sometimes more expensive than just finding someone you can trust and talk to and hiring them from the the start.
0: Yeah. Um, You mentioned earlier something about some accounting software. Do you have any software that you suggest? Um, I'll be totally blunt with you when I say that I've used QuickBooks and it makes me want to jab my eyeballs out. Yeah. Um what?
1: <laughs> so the so QuickBooks own has the majority of the market share right and as an accountant I you know it's it's the easiest accounting um software um but I also know that there's plenty of other options that are um probably uh easier and friendlier to someone who's not um you know in love with accounting per se um it's all about uh, your preference. So there's so many on, online, you can find so many cloud-based programs at this point that um, whether you're doing it yourself or you have someone to that's gonna help you, um, it's just a matter of finding what you're comfortable with. Uh, we use different um, software based on what our clients um, are comfortable with. So I know there's some accountants that convince all of their clients that they need to be on on QuickBooks, whether they are comfortable with it or not. Um, but uh, we have a, a a more open approach where we we kind of we kind of learn different. Uh, and every accounting software is you know different, and it can be quirky or it can be simple. Um, but I say if you find something that you're comfortable with, go for it.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty tech-savvy, and I've, I've just always fought with QuickBooks, so I think it's probably time to look for a different solution. Um, so I'd love to kind of veer a little bit more into a product-based business because, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of people out there listening who either are launching or have already launched their own fashion brand and they are either making and selling product on their own, um, you know, sewing everything themselves or they're working with factories to get product made, whether that's in the States or overseas, and they're buying inventory and then selling that either on a wholesale level or direct to consumer online and and in pop-up shops and things like that. Um, there's also a lot of people out there listening who, want to do all these things, and they are kind of going down the path of figuring out funding, getting loans, getting investment. Um, so I'd love to kind of tackle that space of the market. Where, where do you think it makes the most sense to start when it comes to that type of a business?
1: Sure. I mean, overall, I would say uh, make sure that you have thought about what the vision of your company Uh, what you want your company to look like um you can set goals and this is this is if you're just starting out or even if you've been in business for a while and you kind of feel lost where do you want to go where what's your vision where do you want to look at and how how are you going to get there um think like a business owner and and have a plan um i i i read a book uh called traction by gino wickman and they um they talk about just they give some good uh you know steps on how to um, come up with just processes for a business vision for a business what are your goals and then you kind of um can get into more details of like a business plan and budgeting and that kind of stuff
0: okay so um would that be a good book for listeners out there uh to check out in terms of just kind of getting those first steps built and that foundation
1: yeah it kind of talks about um you know how uh, being a business owner being an entrepreneur is obviously different than being an employee and um Mm -hmm. and you know, if you really want to grow your business, um, there, you know, you you want to make sure you find a right team and you have, you know, you have a good plan. Um, but I would re- I would recommend it. I, I think it's good for um, any business owner in any industry, actually. So um, yeah, I would recommend it. Okay,
0: awesome. And so, kind of starting at the beginning with um, someone wanting to launch their own fashion brand and and create their own business. Do you have any advice on funding, whether it's getting a loan, putting it on credit cards, trying to get investors? Like what Mm -hmm. might a designer out there be thinking about in terms of what's the best way to get some of that initial funding to get things off the ground? You know, what is your advice on on the smartest way to go about that?
1: Sure. I mean, if you're looking for a small loan uh, versus credit card, you are you know, if you can get a line of credit or even, a, a, you know, a loan from a bank, I think that, you know, that would probably be better than just putting everything on a credit card. The rates, the interest rates are going to be better. Um, you know, the, every bank is different and there might be, you know, personal guarantees or something like that. But, um, yeah, I would say that trying to get a loan is better. If you're looking at the investment option investing a lot of times with that yes you're going to get a lot of cash contributed to your business and you're going to have that to be able to grow but you also just gave up um a piece of ownership in that um in that company and in, in your in your um in the business that you want so some people don't mind that but some people say you know i'm i don't i don't want to give up ownership so i'm going to get a loan and i'm going to pay the interest and keep the uh the full ownership in the company and other people are say you know i don't mind you know as long as i'm still a majority owner i don't mind uh, giving up a little ownership percentage to investors to get the money right away
0: Okay. Gotcha. Um, and any advice on going into a bank and trying to get that loan? Like, what should I be prepared with? How do I best go about, um, trying to get that line of credit extended to me?
1: Yeah. I mean, so if you're just starting out, they're going to probably make you fill out a, um, personal financial statement. So you're going to have to, um, you're going to have to give them, um, your personal information. Uh But that's just nothing more than kind of telling them what kind of personal assets and liabilities that you have, Um, and then there might be a personal guarantee. But uh, there's with SBAs and all sorts of programs based on you know what kind of which state you live in. If you're in the U.S., um, there are quite a bit of options out there, and most banks work um, work with the business and try to figure out you know all the various options and. Uh, kind of try to make it work for you they want to see a business you know they want to see your business succeed so
0: okay so i don't but i do i need to go in with i don't need to go in like a full business plan or a pitch deck i can typically just go in maybe meet with a banker Um, go through the process one step at a time with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you start out, if you don't have an account with them, they're going to want to just see basic things like um, your federal EIN receipt from the IRS. And um, if you're incorporated like an articles incorporation, just so that they know you're a legitimate business that exists. And then from there, they um, usually have their own applications and forms that that, uh, need to be filled out based on how much money you're looking for.
0: Okay. And as far as setting up that business, does it, would you suggest a different type of entity versus the service provider, sole proprietor, freelancer type of person? You know, you said that can run under a sole proprietor for a while, just under, you know, get your EIN, maybe it's an LLC. Do you have different advice for someone who's setting up um, more of a product based business?
1: Uh, no, usually uh, it's all about that profit number that I was saying before. So it really doesn't matter. It's usually um, uh, there's like a profit level once you get to a certain growth level that, that it makes sense as far as tax-wise. Um, and obviously how much profit you make, um, whether you're just doing a service or a product is going to be different. Um, but, um, but it doesn't really matter now
0: okay because i know um and i think things change as our government you know shifted presidents and and different tax laws get passed but um i know i was advised a while back to set up as an s corp and take uh a salary and then also an owner's distribution that was a way to create protection as far as taxes go and just sort of decrease liability.
1: Yes. That am one, I getting
0: too complicated here or
1: Um no, not <laughs> no. I mean yes that's good and we usually so usually when people get a profit of like uh thirty thousand a year let's say okay. uh that's when we start to talk about it and say you know you could really be saving money on doing it. and that's a fantastic plan that you have set up okay. um it's time to incorporate versus being a sole proprietor and now it's it's um time you know to get a paycheck as if even though you're the owner you're still getting a reasonable salary it's called um and and once those numbers get to that high, and they and you know you're growing and you're gonna keep growing, um, we can really save some substantial money on that self-employment tax part. Um, so, if you are operating as a sole proprietor and you have an accountant, I would I would recommend just kind of just asking your accountant. You know, like um, at what point do you think that I um, should consider uh, incorporating or um, you don't even have to say being an S-corp and just see what they say. Um, do they have an idea on that? Um, you know, everyone's different. And I'm not going to tell you, like, as soon as you hit 30,000, you should definitely do that because sure. everyone's situation is different. I'm just saying that for my clients, once they get to that point, that's when I start to talk about it and explain the benefits, um, the tax benefits, and also, like, if there's any additional costs as well. Um and really just show them what can happen. I, I actually, for example, have a couple of clients that are doing phenomenal this year and they just decided that it's time, they've been op- they were operating as a single member LLC, it's time to make the switch because they're growing and they know they're gonna grow. So that's really exciting when that happens because we can save them taxes, but also they've been working hard on their business and now they're seeing, you know, they're seeing some success, which is awesome
0: yeah i'm always up for any way we can save money um ethically (laughs) yeah taxes right so so good to know there's there's different ways to sort of set your business up um to take advantage based on where you're at in as far as your income um can you talk a little bit about the self-employment tax? Because that's something I've seen people get hit pretty hard in the face and the differences between the taxes that you're paying as an employee versus the taxes that you're paying as a business owner, whether that's a freelancer or you know running your own fashion brand.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, you have your income tax rates, which is um, based Based on how much money you make, so that that can go that can go up as well, it does go up as you make more. But then you have the self-employment tax, which is an additional tax. It's an additional about fifteen percent, let's say, on top of that. So when you are an employee, you're kind of you're responsible for half of that, and it, and the company you're working for is responsible for half that. Now that you have your own business and you're operating as a sole proprietor, all of the income is. They charge the income tax and the self employment tax, and that's because you are an employee and you are an employer. Um, So, and you can't get out of that, like that, uh, the self employment tax, whatever the profit is on the business, um, they assess that 15%. So, um, I tell I tell clients that I would say if you're working with someone and you only talk to your tax advisor once a year, that's that's not enough. You want to make sure that Uh, Because a lot of these programs will kind of just, the tax programs will assume that the business is going to stay the same every year. Um, But if your business is is fluctuating and you're making a lot more money, you need to be in contact with your accountant because most accountants have the ability um, to be able to uh, project out and um, they can update. If you're going to stay as a sole proprietor, they can update your quarterly's so that you're not getting hit with a massive tax surprise come, you know, the next tax season.
0: Right, one of the yeah, tax this, surprises that brings tears. The
1: self-employment <laughs> tax is definitely the biggest one that um, um, that can bring tears. And and um, when a client um, starts a business, let's say in in the middle of the year and doesn't. Communicate that with their accountant, and then you know it comes tax time. They're sending all their stuff in, and then it's done. And it's like, okay, you you know you're getting a big hit. That's where that's the biggest, and it's an unfortunate situation because it, it, it's too late at that point. But it could have been resolved, or it could have been um, handled uh, with more communication. So I would recommend anybody. Um, who owns their own business? You want to make sure that you're talking to your accountant at least twice a year, but I would say um, at least quarterly is uh, is the way to go.
0: Just to do some income updates and to make sure you're putting enough aside for taxes and you know retirement and wherever else you're trying to put cash.
1: Exactly, because you uh, you know that a business isn't going to operate completely you know the same exact way um every single year. So yeah. things change and um you know, it, it now I have I have some clients who, who used to have accountants and they say, Well I never talk to them because they would yell at me or or they would make me feel stupid or whatever. But if you feel that way you there's there are accountants out there that are <laughs> that are nice <laughs> that will help you, that wanna help you. Um and so you shouldn't you shouldn't be afraid to, to have a conversation with your
0: Yeah. Sort of on that note, you know, I think a lot of people, especially when they're first starting out um, with a business, especially with a product-based business, you know, you're not making money at first. Um, You're spending money. You know, let's say you've taken out a loan and you're spending money. um, Like, do you have any advice on just thinking about should, should part of this loan be going towards Me living month to month, or should I have saved up money for that? And the loan is going directly only towards purchasing product and directly into the business. Um, and and just some overall advice on you know that first year or two when there probably aren't any profits and there's just a lot of expense. You know, what should I do Mm -hmm. to best set myself up for that situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of up to the person, so um. If you need the money to be able to eat to survive, then, um, I, th- yeah, I mean, it, some people also. I mean, the alternative maybe would be, like for me, when I was growing my business out years ago, I would, um, I would st- kind of build on my own business, but I was also consulting, and that was just because as an accountant, I was just, um, I was, I was, you know, just. Like I need to, I need to make sure that I make enough money to be able to pay my personal expenses. That was just my um, preference, but um, yeah, no, you need to survive. So, like, as long as you have a good business plan, a good vision, and 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 you're working towards achieving a goal, then um, yeah, I would say use the money for um, for whatever you need to to survive, basically. Okay. I mean, obviously, it would be. Um, obviously, it would be in the best interest to use all of the money to, to keep growing your business. But like I said, if if you're going to, uh, you know, if you need it to, to make sure you're eating, then <laughs> then that's, you know, that's obviously important.
0: Yeah. Um, any advice or thoughts on crowdfunding your business and um, like through a platform like Kickstarter per se in terms of, you know, how to financially prepare for that and what the tax implication might be of getting all of this air quotes free money?
1: Yeah, that one. So it that's based on um, uh, different, there's different uh, ways of doing that as well. But um, I would say b- just make sure that you are, um, based on your unique situation, that you're, you're um, understanding all of those um, consequences on, on going like that, because there's um, different uh, avenues out there where you could do that, and but then, um, you know, there are tax implications based on the certain amount of money that you get, and not to get too complicated, but. But, and then you know, like we talked about, also with the in, the investor piece too. Um, there's some sometimes where um, you you can potentially give up some of your um, percentage of ownership too. So um, just just do your homework before um, before you you know before you make any decisions.
0: Okay, because if I raise, let's say, ten thousand dollars on Kickstarter. I am not going you know, to automatically just get that $10,000 and put it into production to create that garment that I then need to deliver to my customer. There's a tax liability on that, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, nothing is free. Like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, um, there's definitely uh, tax consequences. So um, before all the money is spent, you definitely want to make sure that you've read all the fine print to what whatever you're using and... Um, yeah, I mean the biggest thing is uh, with anything else is is, uh, um, like we were talking about before, when you get money up front, um, you don't want to spend all the money before you've done your homework, because um, once it's gone, right? Yeah, it's gone. So
0: yeah, um, can you talk a little bit about sales tax in terms of you know a lot of people were are selling physical product, were selling it maybe in person with when you're in the confines of a specific state or county that might have a different sales tax versus selling online, you know, what do I need to be thinking about if I'm selling a product or maybe even a service? Do I need to be, you know, what type of taxes do I need to be passing on to my end customer?
1: Sure. So this is one of the most complex topics. um, And it really is all based on um, every state has their own law, every, 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 County potentially can have their own law. And then um, there's also, um, so there's issues with use tax and um, e-commerce, you know, when you're on the web and stuff. Um, there are different, um, so if you're using an account and you want to make sure that they understand uh, all of the places that you sell and the tax um the tax consequences of those, uh, there are different um, software options, cloud-based software options that only strictly uh, strictly do sales tax calculations. Um, so you're not alone. But it is, it is a very complex um, topic that is changing all the time because as states uh, continue to, and even um, local territories, as they continue to need more money, um, they're just adding more and more rules and the rules are changing all the time so um it is it is a very complex um topic so you want to make sure that you are working with someone who uh who understands it and is doing the research and and communicating with them especially if you're you get new opportunities in different areas and um or you're you're working online in different places the rules are changing all of the time but like i said there are um there are different uh cloud-based uh softwares that uh that do a great job of keeping up with those and help you with the tax filing so um but uh it is a. it's definitely something that you can't ignore um, yeah I've had clients that that come to me that kind of said I didn't know that and um, <laughs> these jurisdictions don't care if you don't know so uh, yeah. just you know it's just like everything else you want to make sure that you either have a trusted advisor that that's doing the research for you or um, or you're using something that, that can give you the answers you need.
0: Is there a specific cloud-based software or maybe a couple names you can throw out there so we know what we're looking for
1: um, yeah hold on one second let me just um, there is I'm one. not even
0: sure like what we should be googling here like tax, like sales tax
1: app there's I'm just trying to get the actual um, spelling of the name but I think it's Alavera that um, that is a, is a good one that they strictly do. Um,
0: yeah, because on I remember. Second. Yeah, no, I remember years ago. This is back in two thousand. Oh boy, four, five, six. Um, I had a small brand of my own, and I was doing a lot of pop up, um, sort of market type of shops where i'd set up my booth and i would sell you know direct to people walking through and i remember i had to apply for different sales tax licenses based on where the event was being held Mm -hmm. and then after the event you know i had to file and send my check in and it it was a major pain yeah that that was i mean and i was just like i'm just setting up a booth to try to sell product to people Mm
1: -hmm. so here's the the um i would say Go to avalera.com, a v a l a r a.com. Okay. Um, they've been they've been a sponsor at different um, like web web um, different webinars and also different events that CPAs go to, um, and they that so if you're working they'll. If you're working alone, that's something that you can do a lot of research on, and they'll let you, if you use a location, they'll let, they'll give you the rates that you need and help you file, especially if you're on your own. You don't have a team right now, but you know you need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear of them a lot. so
0: Okay, awesome. I'll link to that in the show notes for everybody listening. Um, and then as far as like online goes, I mean, I've run some Shopify stores before, so I know they kind of help you figure out what the tax – the customer needs to pay based on where it's shipping so sometimes that's automatically calculated based on the shipping address so is it is it safe to say we could assume or we could rely on our e-commerce provider to calculate and collect the appropriate tax based on where products being distributed
1: yeah i i think at this point because it's such a hot topic and there's so many um you know it's such a more and more um States and, and localities are doing it that uh, most of the um, websites at this point uh, know it, and they're doing a very good job of of um, making sure that the, the sales tax at least is is being calculated properly.
0: okay, and do you see does that also work with platform or is that also sort of built in with platforms like Etsy or Amazon handmade? Can I rely on them to be collecting the appropriate sales tax?
1: Mm, uh that I'm not I'm not sure about every uh each website. Okay. Um I would say I yeah, I would just say um even if you wanted to contact uh someone in the website that you're using and just kind of ask the generic question to m- make sure cuz they might say well that's not our responsibility. Sure. Um, but uh yeah, I I'm not sure about um
0: each, bottom line, you know, are Okay. Bottom line, if we're selling product, we are going to be t- paying some type of sales tax. So do the research and figure out what it is and what we need to be paying based on how and where we're selling.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> before that, because if the uh, jurisdiction finds out that you did and you didn't collect it, they're still going to want them. So that's happened before. They're still going to want the money. And then based on, you know, how how small the item is, going back and getting that collected could be impossible, and then you're out yeah. that money. Yeah. Um, so you, yeah, you definitely, before you're invoicing, before you're starting, you want to make sure you're doing your homework on, on sales tax.
0: Yeah, so can you talk about some of the um, penalties and repercussions of, um, whoops, I didn't know I had mm-hmm. to do that, or you know what type of things that we could potentially be facing if we're going about all of this wrong, or we just didn't know any better?
1: Yeah, I mean, so they're, um, it depends on the jurisdiction, but in the situations that I've seen, the few situations I've seen in the past, they don't care. They just want the, they're going to want the money and then they're going to charge penalties and interest as well. Okay. So um, the oops, I didn't know excuse for the most part <laughs> never really works with the government. They just, they don't, they don't really care. Um, and then the other thing is, is if you uh, if you are using software that is already calculating sales tax and you are collecting sales tax, but in in a situation where you're maybe you need to use the money for something else and you're waiting, I would recommend not doing that because it, it, it's not worth it. You're going to be paying penalties and interest. So if that means that you have a separate bank account where. Um, the sales tax that you 're collecting goes straight in there um, and then the following month or the following quarter when it times to when it 's time to file and pay those sales tax that money's already in the account and it just goes out that 's the best thing because mm. um, there are people who who i you know I have clients that still kind of file their own sales tax on their own. And I'm like, you know, it looks like you haven't paid your sales tax in two or three months. Well, I just, I needed the money for something else. And it's just a slippery slope that, you know, you don't, you don't really, if you can get away with that, you don't, you don't want to do that. There's, um, it's, it's just like paying your income taxes or your payroll taxes. It's like, you know, you just, you don't, it's it's a headache you don't want to have you have enough headaches trying to grow your own business and stuff so um that's a good way to do it i usually tell people if they can if you can open another sales tax account and just any money you're collecting from customers you put that in and it goes out when you need to it's just one less thing to worry about
0: just kind of automate it yep yeah um all right so uh, last, I'd love to uh, say the word and t- get your advice on um, the one that like makes me nauseous just saying it, but audits. Um, I've never been audited, but my dad has been audited twice. He was also an entrepreneur, and um, he has always said, I wouldn't w- wish it on my worst enemy. Mm. Um, can you talk a little bit about how to best prepare or just what we can do on a regular, ongoing basis? To, to make sure that if in worst case scenario, we do get audited, we're prepared. Like, are we saving receipts in a filing cabinet in our basement? How long do we need to keep those receipts for? What type of records do we need? I mean, I know you mentioned the, you know, the dusty old notebook in your car where you're writing down your oh, mileage, yeah. but what do we really need? to? I don't
1: recommend that by the way.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's use your iPhone people. Yeah, get really an app. And, um, but like, I mean, I know for me personally, I've got receipts dating back, um, 10 years and they're just sitting in a file cabinet in my garage and I don't even know, you know, how long do I need to keep all this paperwork for? Um, or what should I be doing? Can I just rely on my credit card statements? Uh, you know, what, what should I be doing on a day to day sort of ongoing basis to set myself up in an automated manner to make sure I'm prepared just in case?
1: Sure. So they usually say seven years for receipts. Um, some people will say less, but let's just say seven years. Um, i there are different um if you're if you're um someone who has apps on your phone there are different apps out there where you literally can take a picture of your receipt and it'll save it on there so if there's ever a problem um you can you can get that back up i have a scanner that i just kind of if i have to i'll just scan it in um and uh, uh credit card receipts uh, credit card statement, so if you're saying, oh, gosh, I don't have any of my receipts from the past. Um, but if you use a credit card and most of it's on the credit card, that, uh, the IRS will, um, will accept that. Oh, um, they will? Yeah. I've seen it before where people go, they'll call like a Capital One, per se, or an American Express, get the statements, highlight it, and then send it in. And, um and they have accepted it, so.
0: Oh, that's good Obviously, to know, the do, exact
1: yeah, yeah. The, the exact receipt would be better, but I have seen it before where they just send in credit card statements, and um, they've had like a no change no change audit, and they've you know it's worked out. So okay. Um, but in this day and age, like you know, if you can get into the habit, if it is something that you, um, uh, it is something that you have right there, and you use your phone, there are a lot of different apps and out there that you can use and just kind of take a picture and, and you'll have it and it'll just be saved forever. So,
0: okay. And then we don't, if we have a picture and we have it stored in some app or something, we don't need to save the physical receipt as well.
1: No, no, okay. no. Cause okay. then you, you have proof. And then the other thing is, is if you are using a CPA and they're doing all your work for you and you ever do get audited, you want to um, make sure you obviously tell your account right away, but, um, in this in the few situations where like we've had clients that got routinely audited um we you know they'll send everything in advance of what they need we make sure we have everything and then we have them we have the agent come to our office and use our conference room so that we're here to answer any questions that they have and make it as easy of a process as possible versus you know you communicating with them and then they're asking you questions and if you're not sure how to answer it and then you know who knows, but sure. um, yeah, if you are using uh, uh, an accountant, I would say you definitely, obviously, you want to you want to communicate with them as soon as possible and have them handle it.
0: Okay, um, now you made the comment there. You have people, clients, businesses, what whatever they may be, getting audited, sort of ongoing. Are there any red flags that you may be doing as a business um, or sole proprietor that are gonna? <sighs> have the irs looking at you a little bit more closely
1: um no most of them are routine but i would say um just be smart if you're doing it on your own just be smart you know um there are some people like i said we were talking about different um quirky little uh uh things that people think are deductible but um (laughs) If you're, you know, running a sole proprietor and you've had losses for more than three years, that's when uh, the IRS can come in and say um, whether you think it's a business or not. We're saying it's a hobby, and you can't, you know, deduct the losses for more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one thing. I mean, the IRS really gives you about three years to get your business going, and then they're gonna kind of expect to see either a break-even or a profit at that point. Okay. Um, but, you know, as long as, you know, as I've, I've had people try to, you know, say they in Rhode Island, the smallest state in, in America, they drove 100,000 miles in a year, but they only have clients in Rhode Island. And it's like, I just don't, you know, they're just <laughs> trying to, you know, it's like something that I, I don't have a receipt for that. So I can just say I drove 100,000 miles and it's like, well, you, you know, you might, you might be exaggerating a little bit. So yeah. anyway, that kind of stuff.
0: Okay. So if you know, just just play by the rules and you should be okay. And if you get audited, then you go through the process and uh what's worst case scenario, you have to pay some back taxes. Best case scenario, you overpaid and they wind up giving you money back. Neutral, it's a break even and they say, "Yep, you did a good job and we're 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 even."
1: Yeah, I mean, a best case scenario, you get something that says we're not going to make any changes and we're all done with the audit and you're uh, you know, That's that's a home run. You've you know, you've survived and uh (laughs) you know, you 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 can you can move on. So
0: you survived a lot of anxiety and sleepless nights, (laughs) I can't even imagine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Awesome. Um well this has been really great and insightful, sort of nerding out on money and taxes and finances with you. Um I'd love to ask you the question that I ask everybody at the end of the episode and I'm gonna I'm going to tweak it a little bit for you um, because you're coming in from a unique angle. So the question typically goes, what is one thing that people never ask you about working in the fashion industry that you wish they would? So I'm going to rephrase that for you and ask, uh, what is one thing that people never ask you about uh, finances that you wish they would?
1: Um, I would say that uh, I wish that people overall would just Ask more um, detailed questions, and I know that that sounds boring, but um, I just wish that people wouldn't uh, wouldn't be so intimidated in talking. Because, like for me, I like to talk about it. I like to answer people's questions, and no no question is too stupid. Like Mm -hmm. people say, I have stupid questions. I enjoy talking about it. I enjoy helping people. So I just wish people would would communicate more. That would be the the, uh, the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. I think that sometimes like it can feel uncomfortable to talk about someone with your finances because you may be, you may feel uncomfortable about how much you are or aren't making or how much you are or aren't saving or, you know, if you've got debt or what that looks like. I think that can be very uncomfortable for people. So I think that's probably a big barrier that comes up. Um, I don't know if that's something you see with clients, but, but it sounds like you're saying like, you know what, hey, I'm here to help you. This is an open, honest conversation. I'm not here to judge or make fun or think ill of you based on your unique situation. I'm here to help you and help you create the best financial situation you can possible.
1: Absolutely. I've seen it all. And, um, uh, yeah, th- there's nothing to be embarrassed about. And I'm, um, we just, tr- I mean, it takes time, but we try to, you know, grow relationships with our clients so that they do feel comfortable asking us all sorts of questions that they have. And I mean, we're here to help them grow and succeed at their best business. So, um, yeah, that's that. I mean, when people do call me and say, I was scared to call you, but, um, I have some questions and then we go, okay, that's the best. Cause I, I know I've helped them
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome, Peter. Well, thank you so much for chatting. Um, Where can everybody find you online if they want to reach out and ask you a few questions?
1: Sure. So my website is thedesignercpa.com. And you can find us on Instagram at thedesignercpa and Facebook at thedesignercpa.
0: Awesome. And I will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for chatting today. It was really fun to to get some great advice on uh, all these things that we don't always want to talk about.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you so much, Peter, and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Successful Fashion Designer Podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you. As a quick reminder, if you enjoy this podcast, I would be so grateful if you would share it with someone you know who you also think would enjoy it. Take 30 seconds right now and text a friend who wants to work in the industry or who already works in the fashion industry and let them know about the podcast. I know they would appreciate it, and I, as always, am grateful when you guys share the show. Last, if you'd like to learn more about any of the resources mentioned in this episode, visit the show notes at sfdnetwork.com slash 73. Thanks so much, and I'll talk to you in the next successful fashion designer podcast episode.